Let's just do the thing. Hit, him, hit us with that sultry voice of yours. Well, hello there. Welcome back to A to Z, No BS. At the table, we have a special guest with us. And specifically, I'm going to uh, turn it over to Andy Van because Andy, it was actually Andy's idea to um, have our special guest over for a Saturday morning workout, which was super fun. And uh, we basically demanded that she be our first guest That's on the correct. podcast. That's so, correct. Andy, take it away. Okay, cheers, everybody. Everybody's got their cheers. beers. Cheers. Yeah. That's cheers. part of it. Yep. So, sitting at the table with us today is Aaron, a very close friend of mine and physical therapist that lives and works in Nashville. Um, Aaron and I first met, uh, what, 2018? Yeah. So, I like this story because, so, we, you know, the three of us have talked about this, you and I a number of times. I don't talk to women in the gym. It's like a hard and fast rule. I think it's just a... For a married man, that's probably a good well, policy. Well, for any man. Like, it's just, you know, most women are there to, like, work out. They don't want to be bothered. And they usually wear hats. Well, they might want to be bothered by Andy, but that's another conversation. Well, okay. They probably do. But anyway, point is, Aaron was working out in the gym that I used to work in. She was in a sling. I had recently busted my arm playing kickball like a meathead, and I had been doing rehab for a little while. It was a pure meat. I was I saved a home run. It was unbelievable. The crowd went wild. The crowd of nobody. But anyway, playing kickball blew out my arm. Had been doing rehab for a while and not making a lot of progress. Aaron's been working out in the gym wearing a sling, and I finally had enough courage to be like, hi, I feel like this is me in the future. Couldn't help but notice you are also broken. Right. I couldn't help but notice that you're in a sling, and I feel like that's going to be my future, so let's talk about it. And then she was able to get me introduced to Dr. Moore and got my shoulder fixed, and then she ended up being my PT and put me back together, which she won't take credit for, but she did a lot of work over a long period of time to put me back together. And now we're friends. So welcome to the podcast, Aaron. Thanks, guys. You're welcome. Um, and I think this will be the first of a few, you know, guest podcasts or whatever. But let's see how it goes. Sounds good. And then today we're going to talk about training. Well, programming, workouts, men and women. Talking about training. We're talking about training. So um, today we're going to talk about workouts and programming and all the stuff that happens at the gym. Whether you're on by yourself or with a coach or with a PT or whatever. And so since you're our guest, we're going to let you take over. Okay, so Andy and I have also been co-programming. That's right. For, what, about two years-ish? On and off on and for and off. two years. So um, I work with a variety of patients, so it's always interesting to me to figure out what motivates them. And when I'm programming both rehab and outside of rehab, how I can get them to do the things that they need to do along with the things that they want to do. Squat a lot. Yes. Kegels. You want people to do kegels. <laughs> Absolutely not. Anyhow. <laughs> well, it was interesting because after Andy got through PT and I was still training at the, at the gym where he was working, we started talking about things we can do to like program. So trying to get him back while he was still recovering to get back to work safely, still be able to do things he likes to do, be able to train his clients, not get hurt in the gym. Get jacked and tan. Not do anything really dumb. Play with my hair with my dominant <laughs> arm. <laughs> um, 
some of the things I like think about most is um, my buy-in and commitment I can get from both patients and clients. So if they don't want to do what they need to do, I have to figure out what it is they want to do and how I can trick them into doing what they also need to do. Mm. Uh, we, okay, I like this. <laughs> Trickery. I only do that a little bit to you. Feel like it works. Good, it works pretty well. I feel like that's a big part of coaching. Trickery. Yes. Trickery. So I typically start with an interview, figure out what it is their goals are. Are we going like back to field sport? Are we going to Olympic lifts, powerlifting? Do they just want to like hang out with their kids on the weekend? What is our main goal? And then I structure their programming around their goal, but also my goals for them from a rehab brain standpoint. So I'll use whatever they want to do and get them as close to being able to do what they want to do safely, but then also add in all the stuff that they need to do that they may not want to do and try to do it in such a manner that it doesn't seem like the boring bullshit rehab work. Yeah. Okay. Do you have a like a particular example? Like, what what are some questions that you might ask? Let's say it's a former athlete, or yeah, let's say former athlete like me, former studly <laughs> athlete. Our audience doesn't know. For all they know, I was like NCAA, like top of you know whatever. Point our, is, our lax bro, Andy. Our lax skateboarding. Bro. Yeah. So <laughs> so take a former athlete like me, who wants to just get like return to like normal activity. What are some questions you might ask? Like so, like what is your normal activity? What does that look like? What do you want to be able to do? Like what are, what activity level do you have during the week? Do you like to walk? Do you like to run? Do you play intramural sports? Like do you like to lift? Do you do classes? And then I kind of get a feel for what it is they want to get back to doing. And I say, like, when all is said and done, and however many months this takes us to get there, what are your, like, what's your end goal? What do you want to be able to do? Mm, Okay. How do you manage expectations? Mm, So if it's definitely something that's, like, unrealistic, I'll be like, we will work toward this, but I cannot promise you that we will get back to this 100% the way you did it prior to. Okay. That's tough. Yes. 100%. Now, it also depends if it's, like, post-op, pre-op, non-op. Well, and, and at least in my case, I love my new shoulder. Love it. You should probably do the other. I should probably do the other, <laughs> but I love my new shoulder. It, it, my outcome, here's the irony of, of, so you and I worked together, you know, had surgery, started PT two, hour, two, two times a week for six months. It was a long time. So a long rehab process, but I was... To, 100% back to work, back to what I love doing. And my shoulder, I mean, there's probably some limitations as far as what I'm capable of doing. Yeah, so like for a post-op, I typically say like you will feel pretty much normal depending on what you had done, usually six to eight months. Your surgeon may tell you sooner. However, to be like completely like you used to be is usually more like a year to year and a half. Oh, okay. And that, that was probably about right for me too, probably. right? Probably, yeah. Because you were compensating for how long before surgery. Right. So you have to undo all the bullshit you did to yourself beforehand. So I'm going to jump in <laughs> okay. and ask some specifics. Go for it. Because I'm very curious both as, you know, Andy's friend, colleague, but then also, you know, curious on what goes on in on the PT side because I've never I've never had PT I've had only a handful of clients who have had PT so I'm not super well versed um, in the field so what were some of the things you had Andy start doing both in session and for homework you want to tell him about breaking my arm off (laughs) okay so (laughs) I had to stretch 
Andy post-operatively. Stretch him. Yes. Like, literally, Manually. he had to, like, lay on a table and give me his arm. And I was like, all right, I'm going to stretch you. And this is going to suck. And I'm not going to rip your arm off, but it's going to feel like I might be ripping your I arm off. I thought she was ripping my arm off. Andy would try to, like, run away from me. Yeah. I would, like, roll off the side of the, the, other side of the table. And so she'd be like, like come back. Yeah. <laughs> or I'd stick my hand on your chest and be like... Stop yeah. I would stick them I down. Would compensate with my ribs and just like go back with it. So really, it depends on like what our goals are. So like on someone who had a post-op shoulder like that, they would obviously need to be doing some stretching, mobility stuff on their own. The more they move it, the better. Um, within reason, obviously, if you're in a sling, you're not supposed to be actively moving your arm right away. Um, but then if you have someone that has like a chronic strain, say someone who has a chronic hamstring strain, okay, like the things that make it worse, let's cut those out for like two weeks and rest and then from there we can start building stuff back in but I want to get your pain under control I want to get your inflammation under control get your symptoms pretty much as close to zero as we can before we start building back up and the only homework I give my patients on the first visit is go home tell me what you feel for the next 24 to 48 hours and we'll roll from there okay so what I like about this is like you and I will never work with anybody that minimized no. abilities which is why like because you so you can see someone start from like i say i say a lot of my clients come to me like ground zero but like not even because they're technically capable of something yeah i mean like say i got a like athlete who's in season with an ankle sprain i'm gonna try and get them back to the field as quickly as possible but that being said i'm gonna have to shut them down to some degree for a little bit of time but i'm not gonna keep them from doing like they're not gonna do nothing I just think it's incredible the delta, the change from like, I mean, I couldn't even, I had an arm in a sling, could not move it at all, and now I'm pretty jacked, but point it, like, but not the, tan. right, it's wintertime, I'll work on <laughs> Definitely it. Definitely not tan. I'll work on it, but, but anyway, you get to see people from like a super minimized level yeah, of ability. Yeah, and then like, as they get further out, I try to get them back to like, as close to the, like, what they want to be doing programming wise, that's so that I can transition them back over to y'all. With a little bit more of like a seamless. So going back to Andy, mm-hmm. you're stretching him. Mm-hmm. What, com- what comes next? I scream. <clears throat> he yells. The scream. <laughs> the screams. He goes, ah. The, the, Are you ripping pain. it off? Yeah, no. it, it felt like it was it, being ripped off. So, it feel so great. what? If you don't mind me asking, and I should. Were you stretching a particular? muscle group no like, like literally you, all directions exactly in his stretch? shoulder so you're just taking his arm i'm like literally ranging him like overhead internal external rotation out to the side like, and this is just to keep everything so open and moving yeah so he is in a sling and not supposed to be moving anything actively initially oh, so okay. then everything's scarring down and getting tight which is what we want but right. then in order to get him back to normal you gotta like work through all of that capsular tightness you're stretching muscles you're stretching capsules. so you're moving him around you're moving his shoulder and arm around just so it doesn't crust over yeah and then i'm essentially breaking into some of the scar tissue to like loosen it back up well and and i should interject here as far as like client buy-in is concerned about and and we have or patient buy-in we we client buy-in and we can talk about this a little bit more later but for me as a patient it was important to me she's had both of her shoulders done Oh. So she has been a patient. So she knows what I was going through. Like, actually has been through what I was going through. And she lifts. I like to lift. So I'm told. I've heard. That's, that's why you're here at the that's table. That's why I'm here at the table. <laughs> but I like to lift. She likes to lift. The point is, as far as buy-in is concerned, it, made, made, like, it meant a lot to me 
that she had been in my shoes and also did my physical activity right. of choice. Right. So, you know, kind of stepping out like a little bit more broad, a little bit more broad. One of my clients works with me because I'm a little bit bigger than he is and my physique is attainable. That's literally why he hired me. Point is, if you're looking to get <laughs> like just, clients, you're just out of his reach. Client or patient buy-in, it might help to match the practitioner or the coach with like what you like, what sure, you want to do. Absolutely. Yeah, like you are. don't want to go to a PT. Sorry, PTs out there who doesn't, who doesn't lift. lift if yeah. that's what you want to get back to doing. Because yeah, if they absolutely. don't understand the movement or understand the feeling of it, they're not going to be as good as someone who does it. Yep, 100. Okay. percent All right. Cool. So, if I may, yeah, of course. Once. Once maybe what I don't know. A couple of weeks go by. Andy is now capable of doing something more than getting passively stretched. Yeah. What are some of the next like two or three big priorities, exercises, tasks that you guys are, are working on? Uh, cuff endurance, general strength, and some like sort of proprioception. So he knows like what his joint is actually doing. So no bench pressing. No bench pressing yet. <laughs> That's the ways out. And so yeah, okay. it, was, it was a long ways out. And like in his case, like we have a specific post-op protocol that we're following too. So there's like sure. guidelines I'm following from the surgeon. So it's not just like a free for all. of, hey, you look good doing this this week. Let's just see what happens if we throw a barbell on there. That's what I do. I'm just like, hey, you look good, feel good. Let's just do the thing. <laughs> let's max out. Let's let's go for a one rep max today. No, I don't do that. I will say too, like depending on everyone's a little different. So like. And each PT is a little bit different. I, having lived through it, don't feel super strongly about doing two sets of 20 or three sets of 15 of everything, per se. As long as I can get the cuff to activate and then they want to do something more, I'll try not to fatigue someone before they do stuff. I do some more, like, activation, stability. Are you aware where your joint is? What does it feel like? Let's get some blood flow to the area, and then let's just work through our strength stuff. Cool. The atrophy in my right arm was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. After six months, it was insane. Also, training while you're like not supposed to be doing stuff, you can still train the other side, and there will be some like crossover. So we can talk about this. Well, did we mention that we would talk about training while injured? Yeah. I, yeah, for sure. So, all right. So then, so by extension. Mm-hmm. In your capacity, I kind of feel like I know the answer to this. In your capacity as a PT, could you give a patient, like, workouts to do with, like, other parts of their body? Right. So, like, say you want to squat, but you had a shoulder surgery. Is the squat necessarily going to affect your shoulder directly? I mean, it's not the muscle group that you're working, but you can't hold a bar. Right. So what am I going to do to get you to still squat? Um, That's why I'm asking. What did we do? Belt squats? I don't remember. What did we do? Well, you got a safety squat bar. I did buy a safety squat bar. <laughs> preemptively. Safety squat bar. Yeah, the safety yes, squat bar. Yes, but like a belt squat would be great as long as you have access to it. You can do, I mean, you can hold a kettlebell. You can try a goblet squat. Obviously, you're going to like run into, you're not going to get the same amount of workload. Like, you're not going to hold the same amount of weight in a goblet sure. position. But you can still change the volume to get something out of it. Or and leg press. I was going to say a leg press, probably. Yeah. So... I've, so, if I'm picking up what you're putting down... I will take all my shoulder it's patients like through, like, literally through everything. <laughs> they have to deadlift for me, they have to squat, they have to front squat. Right, yeah, right, right. So, so, you're still taking the general strength coach eye mm-hmm. perspective to the individual. Correct. 
So yeah. like I would say honestly, until I had my shoulder operated on again, my squats just felt weird because I couldn't get the bar into the right position because I like literally lacked end range external rotation. So I Can't couldn't I couldn't get into the right position. Or yeah. if I got in there, I would tilt. Because I so you know. You still tilt. I still tilt. Thanks. <laughs> it's gotten better. Your squat looks pretty good though. The some, depth is better. Some long-haired. <laughs> guy who has a proclivity for squats worked on her squats and she squats pretty well speaking of a long hair guy i couldn't help but notice that the podcast artwork for andy talks fitness with friends podcast is you with very short hair it is i think maybe it's time for some updated headshots so actually i meant to do that my sister-in-law I, does photography so i might ask her to to take some photos i need a shower <laughs> need to wash this hair. Um, just maybe. put a hat on. Yeah, just keep your hat on. So, so two things. One, if you're if you're getting updated headshots, I would also be interested in getting a headshot done with you. You hear that, Jennifer? For for the A to Z podcast. Okay, we uh, we need to do that. Okay, yeah, that, I think that, that would be cute. That would be okay. really. That is a cloudy beard. That is a cloudy <laughs> beard. Very cloudy beard. That means yours is also going to yes, be cloudy. Yes, my. I think mine has. Yes, mine, yes, mine should have shaken cloudy. it. Yeah, you um, were supposed to tip it. And what was the second thing I was going to say? Oh, know. speaking of hats, you owe me an it's Andy in Van car. hat. It's in the car. Perfect. Where you go today? Perfect. I get you. All right. So all that being said, um, how do y'all structure your training? Well. Comparatively. I was gonna let so I was gonna let you go on this one because I was having difficulty trying to like think. <laughs> you're, you're having difficulty thinking. Thinking. It's been I a, get it. It's, it's, it's been the day. It's it's a it's been a long Monday. So all right, so I'll let you go then. So is the question how do I structure my own training? Let's and, go both. And or how do I structure the training for other people? Yeah. Start with whichever one you want Let's go. to explain first. I think so maybe because. And, and this is an open discussion. This is what we do in here. I think we talk more generally and then get specific. So That's if you fine. want, we can talk general, like general programming, training. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to narrow it down to your own specific, then we can do that. Or if you want to pick a client that you're working with, we can do that too. Sure. Well, in the interest of, of not going too far down rabbit holes and just you know kind of talking in circles. Keeping it light. <laughs> Keeping it light and easy. <laughs> Let's, let's keep it simple. Um, yeah, so for me, I basically try to go hard and heavy during the fall and winter months, and I go lighter and easier during the spring and summer months. Okay, can you expand why? Uh, why? Uh, why? Why am I talking what way? <laughs> um, it's, it's, the, it's the stereotypical thing, like you just you power lift when it's cold out and you wear sweats and you eat more and you chunk up a little bit and you just, you just, you know, you're not doing anything fun outside with your shirt off, so at least most of us aren't. Um, <laughs> Any chance I get. <laughs> I know. Uh, so that's like my general like macro yearly approach. But, I mean, I'm still following, like, four to eight-week cycles with deloads. So sometimes I'll have more of a powerlifting focus, sometimes more of, like, a kettlebell focus. Um, Sometimes I'll specialize on a particular lift. Sometimes I'll just run a general cycle that covers all the main lifts. Um, 
right now I'm actually doing kind of a wave cycle where you know I'm doing 15s one week and then I'm doing fives the next then I'm doing 12s then fives then 10s and fives and eights and fives so it's that wave that gets consecutively smaller uh, that like culminates in like three by three so that's what I've been doing for the past few months that's pretty fun that gives me a lot of you know, variety, but I'm still sticking to the main lifts, um, doing a lot of accessories. So, you know, kind of to me, um, that's still the same general approach that I take with with clients as well, is, you know, if nothing else, we kind of have like a larger six-month goal. Um, And then, of course, that's broken up into approximately four to six cycles. Interesting. Okay. I was gonna. I had a question for you, and I can't remember what it was. What are some of the main lifts that you like to do? Me personally, uh, I mean, like the lifts. Yeah. Well, I mean, for the clients, it's you know. First of all, I do train a lot of power lifters, so I mean, obviously the the power lifts and their their the specialized variety um, comes into play. So squat, bench, deadlift. Uh, narrow set uh, close grip bench uh, sumo versus conventional deadlift mm-hmm. you know pause squat you know if that's if that's applicable uh, but me personally right now I'm really just keeping track of my really right now I'm just keeping track of my squat you and me both ready I was gonna say y'all are like two peas in a pod yeah I, to be fair I've kind of eschewed uh, barbell bench press for a little bit and like I told you my mm. my 2021 goal is to put up 100 pound dumbbells so I've been doing a lot more dumbbell benching okay and my deadlift I kind of I go hard when it feels good and I don't when it don't when it doesn't feel don't good don't when it don't I don't when I don't <laughs> when it don't when it don't and you know for me a lot of times especially with my um, you know jujitsu and couch lifestyle sometimes my deadlifts are I like that couch lifestyle yeah Um, sometimes my deadlifts are inconsistent but my squats are pretty consistent so that's kind of the lift that I'm keeping track of so for me I'm like the opposite my deads are consistent my squats are not my my deads maxed at one point and then I've just never been able to get above that Um, I guess I can segue then so right now like you I'm training my squat um, bench when I feel okay. My left shoulder sometimes feels good and sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> okay, Zach, I'll sit closer. Um, my bench feels okay. Just want to make sure that people my, can hear you. Right, and my shoulder doesn't. My like my right one feels great. My left, the one that's been repaired feels great. The left one does not. So sometimes I can bench and sometimes I can't. I keep it light and fast on those usually. Um, and then I've been having a lot of hip and back issues for a while now, and Aaron knows this. Um, like a lot, like like shooting pain. We talked about this in the podcast before, where right, I can't right. even be in the car for like forty-five minutes without having to get out. Cause it's so <clears> much it's pain. been how long? Years. Mm-hmm. And so, Aaron might have, some, have might have something to say. About <laughs> right. So I she feel like I'm some, just like pulverizing some my advice joints. for you. Yeah. We're don't avoiding tell, this. Don't tell my PT; <laughs> she might get mad at me. Um. So anyway, uh, yeah. So. That's for me. Like, I'm tracking my squats. Mm-hmm. So what, here's what I will do. My, my programming and my client's programming is fairly similar. 
And what I'm going to do is I'm going to rope Erin in on this a little bit because she's, like we talked about before, she and I have co-written workouts. Um, we call them jacked and tan and wide and thick. Which one is tan and which one is wide? Um, it, be it basically goes with yours. Yeah. So we're going to get wide and thick when in, it's in cold out. Time, when it's cold out, wide and thick, just lots of volume, lots of just moving the needle on barbell stuff. And then jacked and tan is a little bit look. Yeah, that's why you were supposed that to. That is cloudy. I like that's it. That's why we're supposed to shake the can first, boys. Um, I thought I was shaking. The no, can. you have to. Oh, you have to completely you have to, like, tip, it, tip over. it before uh, you. I didn't pour get it. instructions Sorry. for this beer. Oh, and you also cracked it for us, so we couldn't have. Wait, really? Right. Yeah. Oh, that's rude. Yeah, right. you cracked it for us. Yeah. Well, we poured it first. So anyway, so yeah, in the winter months, like basically by the time football season starts, is when I start eating. Like an asshole. I'm not going to mince words here. I have words to mince. <laughs> I, I start eating, like, I just don't really care as much about sure. I just eat them. I eat more. And sometimes it's good for me stuff, and sometimes it's not so good for me stuff. But like you said, in those months, I'm not shirtless outside or whatever. So I eat more, and I train heavy and hard and often. And then come, beat like... Beat yourself up a little bit. Beat myself up a little bit. Now, here's the funny thing about this, and I, I was talking to my clients today... In March-ish is when I will start changing that to where I start eating less and training. I try to maintain my training frequency but eat less, and I start losing fat and getting lean. And I tend to be pretty um, lean by summer and can maintain it. Right. Um, what we call it, porn star lean. Mm-hmm. The irony of all of this is when I'm a little bit lighter or when she and I co-write workouts, I am not in pain. I'm in pain right now. Not this second, but like generally this time of year, I've just been doing the thing and my body takes a beating. When we start co-writing for Jack and Tan, it tends to get better. I have a theory for why, and okay. we can talk about that. But when it, So the theory is we typically maintain a couple lifts, like let's say squat, deadlift, maybe a dumbbell pressing variation or some, something that we enjoy doing, driving numbers. But then all the stuff on the back end of the workout is more variable than I typically will throw up by. So in coaching or training, there's specificity. There's, you know, specific exercises like barbell bench or barbell squat or whatever to drive specific adaptations. And then there's variability, or I'll call it randomness. And I tend to find it a little bit more fun, a little bit more spontaneous. And so... My anti-boring. You're (laughs) anti-boring. Right. I have a pyramid here of, like, the most important things. And anti-boring or variety is in there. And so I think what Jack and Tan does, and when we co-write workouts, is that there's way more variety and anti-boring stuff. Stuff that I don't ever think about. Because you just have a different perspective on strength well, yeah. training. So I, I have, do. like, a different toolbox, right? So I can pull from, like, a more rehab-sided right. portion of training. And, but, like, sometimes my thinking is, like, all right, we're going to, like, hammer this one group. But I'm going to throw in a few, like, stability or, like, I don't know, like, end range something. Yeah. Or an isometric hold. Something to, like, effectively, so, like allow us to have a little bit of recovery while still a little bit working but but, and that's the thing is like the intensity of effort is still there like we go hard every time i don't think you and i've ever done a workout that was not hard maybe like maybe a few times when i was like hey i can't listen to this bitch in the gym anymore can we go eat tacos (laughs) that has happened a couple times (laughs) i said i'm done i can't handle her we need to leave yeah so anyway 
the, the, so what I do with my clients is kind of like what I do with my training going into the summer months, which is maintain a couple big lifts. And I do this with my clients, and, and I can talk about why. I like having, I call them anchor lifts, where we can see easy, demonstrable progress. So like a barbell or trap bar deadlift, a barbell or a dumbbell bench, and typically with my clients, either a goblet or a safety squat. Something that we can load appreciably and see demonstrable like progress over time. Towards the like middle hour or, or towards the like second half of that hour, I'll start throwing like different variations of this. And sometimes I'm subject to what's the conditions of the gym that I'm in. So right now I work in a gym where there's another coach and so a piece of equipment might be occupied. So I can't I can't write a program specifically based on certain tools because I may not have that tool available when I want it. So what I do instead as a coach is I try to maintain these anchor lifts and then I can get a little bit more variable on the back half of the workout where I'll say I want to do a vertical press. Now whether that's a landmine press or a dumbbell incline bench or a Z press that you've introduced me to, <laughs> I'll do that or a push up or whatever. And so basically what I use is more or less a hierarchy and a framework and then I let the conditions of the, of the moment and the gym dictate programming so like okay. for example if a client comes in and they're like man i'm hungover i'll check down a little bit if a piece of equipment's available or unavailable i'll you know lateral shift to something else that i think can still drive you know an adaptation but not the same tool so question on this okay for both of you and i think you might differ from andy on this answer Perfect. do you typically try to do all of your main lifts first or last and does it vary and why? Like, would you ever start with accessory work and work into your main lift? Or do you typically... I'm going to cut Andy off and, and Yeah, answer. please do. Um, I have actually... I, I can actually... It's funny you mention this because one of the biggest points of feedback that I've gotten from clients who have had other trainers is how much work they do in their sessions before doing the main lifts. So I wouldn't exactly say that most of those are accessories. Um, I would I would cons I would just consider them very robust warm-ups. Okay. And I'm going to plant my flag in the ground and say that a warm-up is part of your workout. I agree. Agree. Okay. All right. So like so for example like with we're like the three little musketeers. Woo! <laughs> Let's touch tips. Woo. <laughs> So, yeah, so I mean, like with squats, I mean, I might have somebody do lots of prying goblet squats, lunges, single leg deadlifts, Bulgarian split squats, ankle cars, hip cars, mm -hmm. uh, lunges, deep runner stretch, 90-90, shin box switch, Ugh. glute bridges, so elevated glute bridges, kettlebell swings, uh -huh. uh, front squats. All of these things that you wouldn't exactly consider, I, I mean, I guess you could consider all those accessory mo moves slash mobility moves. But yes, I, I do in general like people really kind of sweating and a little bit tired before they hit their main moves. Okay. I don't. So... This is why I posed the question. <laughs> so... Um, I typically will structure big main moves early, and, and, and I try. So most of our clients probably see us what twice a week, ish. 
I have some that come in three times a week, some that come in once a week. And here's what I like about doing, I'm going to call them the big barbell lifts. And this is, I am biased. I'm going to recognize my bias. What? Also, I'll be fair. When I just said all that, I really mean that for the vast majority of my online clientele, that I have the luxury of writing things down on paper right. without being subject to the 45 to 60 minute time frame. That's fair. Right. I haven't trained people in strength in person in a long time. Okay. That's fair. So, but absolutely. When I, when I was like a full-time trainer training people on barbells doing 30 to 60 minute sessions I just kind of told them like you better be warmed up by the time you get to me because we are going straight into your squat bench or deadlift or whatever so yeah. which is fair so I, it's a little bit different right yeah and, and, and I will I'll preface this again with I'm subject to my own biases and not all my clients are on the same program path do the same things so I'll sometimes have like a general warm up sequence that my clients automatically know and then that gives me, usually because I have clients back to back to back, that gives me a minute to get some stuff pulled out and set up while they're doing some kettlebell swings and some goblet squats, prying some band pull parts, mm-hmm. some generic mobility stuff, whatever. And then we step into the bar and do deadlifts and bench or squat and chin-ups or some sort of you know variation and this or that, whatever. Um, and then you end with... And so, the, so what I start with are these big anchor lifts where we can see demonstrable progress I will pepper in, because people like it, abs. I know that abs are not going to interfere with my big barbell lifts, right? Okay. So I'll do ab work. I'll do band pull parts. I'll do some maybe some mobility work if they think that they need it. But the major focus is let's see what we got on these lifts. And then towards the end is when I'll start hitting them with, like, lunges, push-ups, sandbag carries. And we were talking about buy-in earlier. People love to do biceps and triceps. So, like... A little bit of arm farm at the end, and a lot of people love that. So, bruh, getting beer on my keys Sorry, over man. there. Sorry, I'm sloppy. If I get pulled over later, I'm going to be like, it was Zach. He drives a blue escape. They'll know exactly <laughs> who you're talking about. They'll be about. like, oh, yeah, that one? Got it. Yeah, be like, go get Zach. So, anyway, like, I try to anchor these lifts so that we can see progress, and then I try to just throw variation because people like to have fun. They like to sweat. They like to do this or that. And they like variety. So if I went strictly sort of the powerlifting style that I personally like to train, they probably would get bored quickly. And so, what I, again, what I have is a basic framework of what I'd like to do. And then I'll either shift laterally if I have to, or I'll check down to something that's less aggressive so that we can still get some work done, still sweat, you know, still move the needle, but not necessarily beat up somebody who's coming in hungover, didn't sleep well, got in a fight with their, you know, significant other, whatever. And so um, I try to have a little bit more fun, a little more flexibility on the back end of the workouts and then leave them sweaty and breathing heavy and send them on their way. A little high five. Hand hug? A little hand hug. So. Got it. Right. So my workouts are a little bit, right now, a little bit more specific. It's probably why I'm in pain. I was going to say, so what if we, like, book this on you and you did all of your main lifts at the end? Do you think you would be in less pain? Maybe. Okay. I don't know if I'm going to try that. So when you ask <laughs> Aaron's tricky. Also, also... 
I also like the built-in nature of having people like build up a little fatigue before their main lifts because that way I always know that yes. that there's some there's something in the tank because they're not doing all their main lifts fresh and I know that and I know they've been training in a semi-fatigued state so that I know that if and when the time comes where they need to PR or you know they're a power lifter and they're obviously going to do competition. Well, it's like practice first game, right? So like right, it carries right. over. This is what I'm going to say. So from like an like when I'm working with an athlete, they'll do some stuff first, and then I'd rather them do some of their skilled stuff a little bit fatigued because they need to be able to do that on the field. Right, and there's there's obvious nuances to all this and yeah. we're talking we're talking about people and lifters who are already, already quite skilled. Already trained, yeah. So uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought that up. So I think there's a couple like if we were gonna distill this down to its constituent parts, we're gonna sip this out. What I love about this discussion, what I love about co writing workouts with Aaron what I love about training on Saturdays with you, Saturdays are highly variable. We don't even have a plan. We just do stuff. And I always have fun, and it always feels good. And there's got to be something to that. But all that said, we, the three of us have different perspectives and approaches. They all have their own merits. And I think the, the beauty of reaching outside of our own, because you work alone, right? Zach? Work, work, work out alone? No, work alone. I work alone. Yeah, you're Zach Henderson. Like you don't have you don't have other coaches that you work with, like uh, directly for like, my for my own training. Right, like your business. Oh yeah, you don't have coworkers. Right, right, right. I don't have coworkers. Yeah, yeah. Aaron has coworkers. Yeah, one man I'm, band over here. The point I'm trying to make is, we would otherwise stay in this sort of like tunnel vision viewpoint of yes, training. Yes, yes, yes. Right. And so I think that's what I love about having these discussions. What I love about co-writing workouts with Aaron. Of what course. I love about Saturday workouts with you. Of course. Is we each bring something to the table, yep. and we have fun doing it, and it sort of broadens our like our horizons as coaches. Well, and it and makes brings us every, Yeah, it brings us all out of our comfort zone too. Right. It makes like, us all better. In our I life. didn't want to do everything on Saturday. I couldn't help but notice. And then I was like, fuck it, I guess I'm gonna. Everyone, <laughs> I want to tell you both, everyone at work today, I was like, hey, I smoked some fools on Saturday. You sure did. I did. Uh, I did too. Honestly, I think, yeah, you, I will give you props, Andy, you brought it on Saturday. I brought it on Saturday. I was a little many. off my game. Maybe you were Aaron, off your game. I was worried I about was a little guys. off. I think Aaron was a little off. We should go get a beer and talk about it. I think, I think Jack, I think Jack is just, I think he was just, Trying to figure out where where he fits into the scheme because he probably doesn't want to show off and make me feel bad. So I felt pretty good. Thank you guys for making me look good on Saturday. Yes, that that bottoms up that you caught from from falling over. That was probably the most impressive thing I had seen in a while. That was my left hand, my my bad hand. <clears throat> yeah, <clears throat> yeah. The is that the Aaron hand? Is that the, That's or the is hand it? he needs to fix. Oh, that's the future Aaron Hand. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, I need to fix this whole side, everything on this side of my body. Yes. But, so anyway, so so I like working with you both because then I'm a better coach. And also, I think that if there are coaches listening to this who have never worked with coaches, whether they've been a client or co-written workouts or whatever, I think that you might be selling yourself, not selling yourself short, but 
but coming up short as far as your abilities because there's a lot that you can learn from a programming standpoint, organization, yeah, you know, exercise variation, mm-hmm. variety. We talked about this, you know, the anti-boring stuff. Um, <laughs> sort of like making a more comprehensive, more fun, more effective coaching or, or, or workout program. Yeah. So, I think, you know, I mean, on the one side, I feel like the whole coaches need coaches platitude is a little played out. But the reality is fitness is in such like a weird, it's still a very adolescent industry. And egotistical it's, industry. it's still very egotistical. Yeah. It's still very uh, echo chamber-y. Um, you know, there's... <sighs> I feel like sometimes there's a very limited mindset with a, uh, among a lot of trainers, cult a lot of folks, a lot of cultural personality. Yeah. So a lot of people are kind of like they're they're walling themselves up. Like they find one narrow little lane and they wall themselves up. And um, if you're at a particular point down the road, if you've been in the game for 15, 20 years and you're super specialized, that's one conversation. But until you get there, which I don't think any of us at this table are anywhere near like that point. Like then, the thing that you need to be doing is, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, networking and and keeping your hands dirty by working with other people who are in the industry who are mm-hmm. going to push you or challenge you or or in some other way give you a wider perspective on the world of coaching. And so, I mean, that's why I'm I'm glad to have a friend and colleague like Andy, Aaron. Great to have met you this past weekend. <laughs> we're all linking here together. We're yeah, we're powering up. Um, yeah, and I it, I sound like a broken record a lot of times talking to other coaches. I'm like, who like who are you working out with? And if they don't, you know, half the time, Zach. more often more often than Aaron. not. More often than not, they do not have an answer as good as Zach and Aaron, and, and that's a shame. But that's that's a discussion for another day. So, I wanted. Do we have time to go on? We were going to talk about men versus women in training. Do we have time? Yes, yes, we do. Okay. Yeah. I didn't mean it. if you had one more thing to say. Nope. I just want to make sure. Mm-mm. Okay. Nope. I was actually going to try to come up with a good segue. Segway. So that I'm glad. Bold. I'm glad that you just, just kicked bold. that door down. Right. <laughs> Hey, let's talk about this now. Let's do it. All right, so um, I'm not a woman. Zach, no. pretty sure you're not a woman. <laughs> you and I can be, a, well, the three of us could be a couple meatheads and talk about training. But we did want to speak about training, like as far as men versus women and strength training. And since our guest is a woman, she should probably take this one. Don't you think? I do think. Okay, what do you want to know? What's it like? To kick your ass? Oh! <laughs> I don't know. Do you remember that time we uh, calculated? Andy loves math. So we like calculated because I was like, no way, you're stronger than me. He's like, no, let's like do this. Let's do the math and figure out how many times your body weight we're both lifting. And I was like, oh. Oh, we did do that. Yeah. Uh, I was like, hey, I am much closer than I thought so I was. So she, <laughs> she is very strong. We've worked out a number of times together. We write, co-write workouts on occasion. So point it like she's awesome but there are differences there's totally differences so like i will say one of the main differences obviously between men and women is we have a menstrual cycle and y'all don't 
and this will affect our training. Mm-hmm. Um, there's certain times in our cycle where you can like push the needle, if you will, and like really try to see where your strength is at. And there are other times in your cycle where it's just not appropriate because you're going to be fatigued. You're not going to perform. And it has nothing to do with a true strength change, just the way your hormones are. Y'all definitely have a cycle as well. It's just not quite the same as ours. Um, another thing to consider, depending on where women are in their cycle, is how lax their like joints and everything is, ligament-wise. So like some things may hurt more or feel more stressful to me at certain times. Mm. Than they might for y'all. I also think I have a higher pain threshold sometimes. I actually think women generally have a higher pain threshold than men, don't they? Um, I still think that's very individual, but that is a stereotype that I wholeheartedly buy into. Yeah, I was gonna say from a generalization, (laughs) I still think there's like a certain like anaerobic capacity that I am able to tap into that you are not. And uh, is it? Um, y'all recover faster? Is that, or am I making that up? I thought your recovery was different than ours. It probably is. I don't know. No. Like, like Andy, where's your science? Age Come on equated. now. All right, I can go. I'll pull some PubMed. Okay, so like you and I did a sandbag carry squat. You did it wrong the first time. He was supposed to carry ten yards, do squats. He carried a hundred yards. And then, yeah. Anyhow, that we both. You were off by a zero. Yes, it happened. It so I me. died, and then I made him do it again, and he started. And I was like, "Why are you not squatting? This is not what I wrote." Anyhow, we both wore our heart rate monitors. The I am able to get into a significantly higher heart rate zone and still be able to talk to you and like be a human before I feel like I'm dying than you are. I'm a giant wuss, man. But it's interesting because if you looked at like the way the graph went, they were exactly the same from like a work output, just at a different threshold. Right. Mm -hmm. It is actually kind of fascinating to look at her heart rate data and my heart rate data for the same exact workout at the same exact time. Because they, like she said, you could stack them, but hers is so much higher into like orange and red and mine is lower now. I'm sure there's individual differences and, yeah. and heart capacities and stuff. We, you know, there's some stuff going on there. But um, like her capacity to do stuff is pretty high, pretty damn mm-hmm. high. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, she murdered me with that workout. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, obviously there are menstrual cycle considerations and. Uh, I am somewhat familiar with the idea that there are certainly like time periods where like work capacity goes up mm-hmm. versus not versus joint laxicity goes up versus not. Um, I kind of have the most experience uh, from a programming perspective uh, when it comes to uh, men, male versus female like programming uh, when it comes to like percentage based powerlifting oriented programming Mm -hmm. and so the general consensus there is typically um, that ladies can handle a higher volume at higher intensities right okay Uh, so that's that's kind of a catch-all of Andy most of the things that you were maybe kind of saying Um, so you know you might have you might have ladies who can handle you know uh, let's say five to eight reps at ninety percent, 
Ooh. of their max. Like, I can do a deficit at, like, pretty high, close to my max, but, like, I will struggle when you try to get me to get to a one rep max. Right. And then there might be some sort of threshold there Mm -hmm. where it, you know, and, of course, your average gentleman, you know, obviously we're talking about trained populations here, so your average trained lady might be able to handle, you know, let's say four to eight reps at somewhere around the 90% range. Your average trained gentleman may only be able to kick out two or three reps at that 90 percentile range. And some of that comes into when you're just talking about absolute poundages, yeah, uh, which obviously plays a major factor. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the fact seems to remain that, yeah, in general, ladies can can tap into a greater work capacity. So that's that's pretty interesting how that plays out across different lifts, across different training methodologies um, and approaches. So yeah, that's that's kind of the extent of my experience and my thoughts there. What do you think about like when you're working with patients, mm-hmm. both male and female patients, athletes, What's been your experience as far as their rehab process, getting back to whatever you know return to play looks like for that individual? Have you noticed any differences in train, or I guess rehabbing and then training men versus women? Women are typically a little bit more open-minded in things that I want to like focus on initially. Um, I think as a young young looking small female sometimes it's hard for me to get some of my male athletes to listen to me right off the bat I typically feel like I have to prove myself to some degree and I think I am able to do that but not all of them will want especially some of my older not athletes but older males who want to continue lifting who have never had someone correct their form they sometimes give me a lot of pushback when I'm trying to give them feedback on things to do whereas the females don't necessarily have that same degree interesting also from a like true strength perspective i think it 100 percent is not necessarily male female but it depends on their body awareness if someone has no flipping idea what their body is doing in space it is so hard to try and coach them to correct something so i have like one I'm thinking one female client in, in particular who's a power lifter. She can literally not tell you what she feels at any point in anything. She'll tell you that from the start. She's like, I have no body awareness. I don't know what I'm feeling. I just need you to like give me external feedback. She has no internal feedback. Then I have another client who has a little bit of both, but she is like, if she's distracted, she will go back into whatever she was doing and you have to correct her repeatedly. And then I have another male client who would like be like, oh, I got it, I got it. And I'd be like, no, 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 try this. And he's like, no, 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 I got it. And like, oh, you don't need to carry that sandbag for me. And I was like, sir, please just like let me help you. Um, but I would say like the differences that I see from a rehab standpoint may not necessarily be the same differences that y'all would see. I would see more of the like emotional difference between male and female versus like changing their because at this point I'm going to send them back to y'all right 
to like yeah. really push the strength limits. Right. Well, I think anytime you're you're dealing with the physical training in the physical training environment, it's it's funny where the emotions come up. Ooh, body uh, mapping. Body, you know, not to body armoring. Should we talk about this? Not to uh, not That's to pull a whole out another rabbit hole. Not to pull out my Alexander Lowen books, <laughs> my bioenergetics, but uh, but yeah, um, I don't even know where I was going with that. Uh, I I am I am curious. This isn't this isn't necessarily a question, but um, like I mentioned, I really haven't had any experience in the rehabilitation space, so I really don't know what that experience is like. I don't know what that environment is like, and obviously, like you know, it it, it varies. But I, I am I am kind of curious from my own perspectives, how the quote-unquote uh, intensity and coaching and those dynamics play out in a rehab setting versus a, hey, you're at the gym, let's send it type setting. So, like, where I... It also depends on, like, where you work. So, like, where I am, like, right now, I'll focus more on, like, manual work. I, like, my patients get me for an hour at a time, one-on-one. So I'll focus on, like, let's get them, like, work on them manually, figure out what we can do to make them feel better, work into, like, some more, like, corrective type stuff, but I'll go through their programming with them and, like, address things as I need to, but I won't necessarily, <laughs> yes, we need to do this stuff, <laughs> but I won't necessarily take them through an entire program where I'm at now. Where I worked previously, I had the luxury of being able to do both, not quite to the same degree of, like, being able to watch them do both, but I was able to program for them and be like, you need to do this. Well, and this is also why I really like having her, I can tap her when I've got two clients that are current patients of yours, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so when we run into a roadblock with, I think they both have shoulder stuff. One has an ankle thing. The other's got an elbow thing. Yeah. So when... I run into issues in the gym with these guys. I try to work around it. You know, as far as like a programming standpoint, again, I'm not married to any of the exercises that I pick. Well, and also like they both want different intensities of things. Right. So like it also is like we can talk about like how we can change their intensity and how we can still do the things they both want to do. Right. And but come up with a way to do this and do it like well. Yeah. And so I'll send them to her and then get feedback on what she's seeing. And then that will help me in my programming for them to say, okay, well, she's seeing this and this and this. And we're going to modify this exercise this way or this variation this way or whatever. And vice versa. Right. I'm and like, hey, how did they do today? Right. Oh, they sucked at this. Cool. I'm going to address that today then. Yeah. Everything hurt when we were doing bench press. So, yeah. Anyway, being able to send people to her and getting that feedback allows me to then make, like, again, going back to writing programs for clients, mm -hmm. I can make modifications or, or swap this for that. I would also say, like, intensity also depends upon, like, A, how much time I have with them, B, what their goals are, and C, like, what they're willing to put into it from, right. like, a rehab standpoint. I think all three of us probably do that. And then yeah. we're all doing this within an hour or less time. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's not even just exercise selection and sets and reps and, or intensity of effort. We're trying to manage a lot of variables with a human being at a confined period of time and space. Well, and like, like you said earlier, someone comes in and they're like, I slept like crap. I am not speaking to my spouse. Like, right. okay, like we're probably not going to go really super high intensity. I'm going to probably work on you, give you a little bit of chance to talk, 
do a few things, do some corrective stuff, and then we'll roll from there. Right. We'll pick it back up next time. Yeah. And so, and that's kind of, I tell people I'm like a quarterback where I have my go-to exercises and, and intensity levels. And then as soon as I start assessing them, when they walk in the door, I'll check down or move laterally or whatever, and then be able to do some work that does something towards their goals without being married to the program I've written on a piece of paper or in an app or whatever. Mm-hmm. How are we doing? Dude, we're rolling. Are we rolling? We're rolling. We're, we're, rolling. Uh, we're, coming up on, we're coming up on an hour here. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, so do we want to – let's leave it in Erin. She's, she's our guest. <laughs> Right. We're going to leave it in your corner. What else do you have to say about training men versus women, or being a trainee as a woman, or being a coach or PT as a woman? Oh, my God. You just threw, like, four things at me. I know. I did. <laughs> Here you go. Thanks. All the balls are in Okay, so trainee. I like the fact that if I feel like something needs to change, you will listen to me. I haven't always had that be the case. That's because I'm a good coach. Yes. So. Among the best. <laughs> full disclosure, my last year has been really fucking hectic. Right. So there have been times when I'm like, I want to just send it. There are times when I'm like, I don't feel like I've been resting. I Like, I have not slept in like two weeks well, so like we got to adjust. When we did that squat, that sandbag squat ladder over the summer and you smoked So me. I, this is you going back me. to the capacity thing. So like, I had not been training very regularly. Like, I had done a lot of sandbag stuff between like March and May. And then I kind of just slacked off a little. The house went on the mark, blah, 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 all sorts of stuff. And I was like, let's just do a sandbag ladder. We're going to go, what do we do, 65, 80. 65 AMRAP, 80 AMRAP, 125. Did we only do the three? Yeah. yeah. 125 AMRAP, and then we went backwards. And then backwards. we went back down. Ooh. 125 AMRAP, Andy 80 Andy only AMRAP. beat me, rep-wise, on one. <laughs> yeah, she, of the oh, whole up and the whole down. Yeah, so that's like six sets. She smoked me on five of the six. And I had not been training. And I thought I was going to vomit. <laughs> I thought I was going to nice. die. Uh, yeah. But I appreciate, as a trainee, that you are willing to like switch my program up depending on how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. And you'll still push me and basically make me do the stuff that I don't want to do that I probably need to do. Like pause squats? Yes, they're fucking terrible. <laughs> I did them on my own accord last she week. She did do pause squats on her own. Because they make me better. She doesn't... Her specifically, she doesn't like when I things do get not. heavy. She doesn't like to hit depth. And I don't like being in the hole. All right. So, Aaron, thank you for coming on our podcast and talking about training and programming and men versus women. Um, is there anything you want to leave our audience with as far as your experience as a coach, trainee, woman? No. Thanks, guys. That's it? Okay. <laughs> I can do that. No, I had fun. Thanks, yeah. for, thanks for working out with me. Thanks for having me on here. Yeah, of course. Um, yes, so for the listeners out there, to be fair, uh, we were tempting fate with a dying battery. So if you heard Aaron get cut off just a second ago, it's because <laughs> the uh, recording device turned off and we are now running on emergency battery power just to film, I'm sorry, just to record this outro. So, so well, before you outro us, because you have the sultry voice... Um, if you are in the national area and you want to, if you need physical therapy, if you're looking for coaching, whatever, you should by now know who we are and be able to reach out to us 
Aaron is my most trusted physical therapist in town. I will not send anybody else like to anybody else. So if you are looking for someone to work on your busted ass shoulder from being a meathead. Or your back or, or your, your hip. Or we won't talk about my back or hip. <laughs> contact Aaron. She's got you. A to Z, no BS. Aaron, thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thank we'll you. see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>